I want to share with you some uh, things that uh, just foundational things today. It's our time of uh, consecration. As I said, it's the um, new year. We're, we're um, not laying anything new. It's just that we are reestablishing the foundations or strengthening the foundations uh, of the church. There's got to be pillars that you build upon. There's got to be things that you uh, are foundations uh, that you build upon. And so I want to share with you some of those things today that um, we as a, a staff have talked about uh, in our meetings and some things that I've been praying about. And I feel like there's some things that we have uh, not we haven't lost them, but we've just kind of let up on those things during these last three years or so, and uh, COVID and all of the things that went on, and there's some things that slipped through the cracks and uh, of that, and we're just going, this is going to be a year of, um, I guess for a lack of better term, it'll be restructuring, maybe uh, just uh, causing the structure to be stronger because you cannot build a body uh, any stronger than the structure is. And you say amen. And so uh, we have to have a strong structure in place. The skeletons has to be there, the sinew, the bone structure has to be there to carry uh, the body. And so uh, I'm gonna talk to you about some things today and uh, of, of the church because I believe that uh, personally, I believe that culture is more important than vision. If you don't have, you can have vision, but if you don't have the right culture to produce the vision, then the vision does no good. Uh, and that's evident not only in church work, but it's evident in every area of our life. Uh, if you, you can have a vision for your own life and if you don't develop a right culture and in that right environment, then you will not be able to produce. And so you have to develop a culture around about you that is conducive to the vision that you have for uh, your life. Uh, in the natural, you know, I, I would love to have uh, tangerines growing in my backyard. But the culture is not conducive to it. Amen. If I'm going to have tangerines in my backyard, I've got to get to where there is a environment, a culture that is conducive for tangerines to grow. And so uh, it's, it's like, you know, you all know, y'all pray for me, but you know, I, I, the team that I root for is the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, it takes a lot of faith to root for them. But the reason, and this is, you know, just a, quarter, a, a couch quarterback, but the reason that they can't win the big game is because their culture's not right. They have enough, and again, my opinion, they have enough talent for two pro teams but it don't matter how much talent you have, it doesn't matter how gifted you are, if the culture is not right, the environment is not right, you're not going to produce what you have the ability to produce. And so it is true in the kingdom of God. 
we have to have a culture that is conducive to produce what it is that we desire. Amen. And so uh, there's some things that we're restructuring our, our building stronger. Some of the things that you have known if you've been around here a while. Uh, the seven teams that we have, the seven teams that we have is, hasn't been strong in the last little bit, but the, we're going to do better this year and uh, structuring those. You're going to hear more about them. And uh, you say, well, why is that important? Because every church that is growing has these seven things happening in their church. And so if that is something that is uh, helping churches to grow, then we have to develop a culture for those teams to grow here. So that, and you say, well, why is that important? It's important because people are dying and going to hell. And we need to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, so it is important. And so that's where I'm uh, coming from today. I want to just uh, lay this out here. Is it okay? Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6, it's a scripture that you are very familiar with perhaps, but it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not to your own understanding, in all of your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. And then uh, one other verse in, in Psalms 11 and verse 3, it says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Uh, there is an all-out attack today against the foundations of Christendom. Even within the ranks of what is known as the Christian church, there is an attack against uh, preaching truths, preaching absolutes, right? They want to be floating. They want it to be versatile. They want it to, to people to not, not take such a strong stance. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But there are some things that aren't up for negotiation. There are some things that aren't up for question. That, that is a, and if the foundation is destroyed, then what can the righteous do? They know that that's the reason why that they're coming so strong for the foundation of the Christian church is because if they can destroy the foundation, then they can destroy uh, the next generation from ever having a firm foundation in which to build upon, right? And we all know that the foundation is the most important part of a building. It doesn't, it's not the most glamorous, it's not the most attractive. In fact, it is concealed, it is hidden. You spend so much money to cover it up, right? But it plays an important role that must be solid, it must be secure. And if the foundation is destroyed, he said, then we have nothing to stand upon. We know the, the parable of in Luke chapter 6 where that there's two houses and one builds upon sand and the other builds upon the rock, right? As the foundation of the church is Jesus Christ. He said, I laid a foundation and others build thereon, but let every man take heed how he builds for other foundations can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ. And 2 Timothy 2 and 19 said, The foundation of God stands sure. Praise God. 
There's an old song in the old church that we used to sing quite often that uh, it was, went something like this, Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, right? And then once the foundation is laid, the building can go up. And you can, you can go higher, and the higher that you go, the deeper that you must go. Because if you're going to deten- determine uh, the, the height of the building, it's going to be determined by the width and the depth of the foundation. You, if you're going to go out here and put out a, a little uh, outbuilding, you don't even need. Just clean the, the, the uh, grass off, lay your little bit of block out there, level it up, and you can put a, a building up. But if you're going to build a house, it has to be better than that. If you're going to build a skyscraper, they tell me that the, sky, the foundation is nearly as deep in the ground as the building goes up. Why is that? Because they understand that the foundation is the most important thing. Amen? And so it, we have to understand that, that it isn't just about going uh, in up it's about the width it's about the depth it's about the height and whenever we build that foundation even though other people may not see it what is the foundation the foundation is prayer the foundation is reading of the word of god the foundation is fasting the foundation is giving the foundation is these principles, these, these uh, things that we, uh, disciplines we call them, that we discipline ourselves to do that nobody ever sees, but that's the foundation in which we are building upon. And so even though it may not be uh, something that somebody says, oh, how glorious that is or how wonderful that is and people don't even recognize it, it is very and vitally important to the life and the health and the growth of us individually as well as corporately. You see, the problem is we grow horizontally, numerally, but we don't, we not vertically or spiritually. And that's what has happened to the modern church. That's the reason why that, that statistically says that 60% of people that were going to church in America prior to COVID never returned. Why? Because we grew numerally. We've learned how to fill buildings, but we didn't know how to fill people. Right, And the very person that started this, and I won't call his name, but the very person that started this movement of growing numerally without growing vertically, admitted publicly of their, their mistake and said, we have learned how to build our field buildings, but we have failed to make disciples. Whenever you don't have disciplines in place, then you're not going to grow vertically. You're not going to grow spiritually. And so all you're going to have is a beautiful building, but it's built on a deck of cards that can stumble or fall apart at any time. And so growing out is, is just one level. It is just one uh, place that we go. But it isn't just about how high you can go. It's about how strong you can build. 
Because how many know in this hour in which we live that you don't have to go looking for a fight, a fight will find you. You don't have to go looking for something. The enemy will come to you with things and, and situations and circumstances and all kinds of immoral things that are going on in our world today. And we have to be built up on a solid and a firm foundation and have a relationship that will stand against all of the adversity that comes against us. And some, and, and some things, you know, that, that we uh, go through and some things that we have learned in our life, if we're not careful, we'll try to just live off of what we have known instead of living off of what we are now learning. Learning is constant. And if you're not learning, then you're dying. Amen. There's some relationships that you will outgrow. And you have to understand relationships. Some folks uh, you used to listen to, you can't listen to anymore. Because they, they, they have taken you or they're, they're, what they know, it, you have already come to that place and so they can't help you with that anymore. It's not that you discard them or discredit them. They just can't have a strong voice in your life like they used to have. You have to discern. You listen to. Who do I listen to? Who do I connect with? Who do I disconnect from? And you have to understand superior relationships, subordinate relationships, and how to relate to those who are over you and those that are uh, 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 under you, right? Some never go to a new level financially because they, they have n never learned how to deal with the increase. They've never learned how to deal with the increase. What do you mean? Well, some folks, you can give them a raise, but they don't ever have any more money. You can't increase the harvest unless you increase the seed. The more you sow, the more you reap. The greater the investment, the greater the return. Right? It has nothing to do with how much you love Jesus doesn't matter how many scriptures you have committed to memory you stay on the same level you repeat the same blessing over and over but never go higher you never add to or you never rise above why because we are constantly staying at this same level and never making a greater investment in ourselves or in the kingdom of God amen Matthew 7 says to us to be continually uh, progressive, to be, he tells us to ask, and it's a progressive tense, progressive present tense, that we ask and we keep on asking. We seek and we keep on seeking. We knock and we keep on knocking, right? And so notice you don't just get anything other than what you're asking for. You're at your asking is your seed. 
Well, you say, well, I'm asking, but I'm not receiving. Well, the problem with that is not God. The problem must be the way we're asking. James said in James 4 and 3, he said, you can ask amiss. In other words, you can ask the wrong way. Have you ever had your kid ask you for something the wrong way? Give me some money. Right? And you say tone and pitch. And your volume. (laughs) Right? It's not that you don't want to give them money. It's not that you don't want to bless them. It's just their attitude. Right? You have to ask his will. John, 1 John, he tells us in 5 and 14, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, how do we know his will? Well, we need to know his way, his word, right? Now, some people, you know, I know growing up uh, that uh, I heard a lot of people say, well, if it's the Lord's will, they'd say that about going to church. Well, Well, if it's the Lord's will, I'll be at church. Well, it's his will, so I'll see you there. (laughs) How do I know that? Forsake not the assembling of yourself together as a matter of some are, but as the days, you see the days approaching even more, get him the house, come to the house of the Lord, right? Assemble yourself together. And so we know it's his will. You say, well, you know, and, and it comes to health. People say, well, I just don't know if it's God's will. Well, it is his will because it's his word. He sent his word and he healed us. By his stripes you are healed. Who forgiveth all your iniquity. Who healeth all of your diseases. Right? So it's his will. And so when we pray according to his will, then uh, we can ask what we desire and he will give it to us. Right now, you know, we we had these crazy people a few years ago, and it's where they got this name it and claim it and blab it and grab it. And uh, that's what a lot of people, you know, they'd say, well, uh, the Lord told me that I could have a new Cadillac. And uh, we had stupid people going and driving cars off of lots and all that mess. And, um, you know, that that's foolishness. The blessings of the Lord, he said he makes us rich and adds no sorrow to it. And, and part of that is things, part of that is houses, part of that is uh, of vehicle, whatever we need to, to do life with. But you see, what we have to know is the word of God. And when we know the word of God, then we can stand fast upon that word and pray with great expectation believing that it is his will to heal believing that it is his will to save our household believing that it is his will for us right to have a relationship and fellowship with our brothers and sisters in christ and so he said ask according to his will and in faith because in hebrews 11 and 6 says without faith it is impossible to please god and so Verse 12, it's a different paragraph, the same conversation. And notice he goes uh, from there and he says that from everyone to few. Right? 
everyone to few. Why? Because the deeper that you go and the more that you're walking with God, it, the less and the less it's going to get. The closer we get to God, the less crowded it is. Amen. It's same with Jesus. Jesus had the multitudes that followed him around everywhere. Then he goes to the garden and he only has three of them that show up. He goes to the cross, right? And he has one show up. John's there. And so the closer that you get to, to God, the less crowded it's going to get, but the sweeter that his fellowship and his, the relationship with him is going to be. And so for the sake of getting my point across, I would say, and here you can go read on down in verse 15 and through 18, but bad seed cannot produce good Christians. And good seed cannot produce bad. The same applies to culture. It applies to environment. A bad culture cannot produce a good church. And good culture and atmosphere cannot produce a bad church. Bad pro produce and ba is bad and good produce is good. And it doesn't, you can't, you can't produce, it produces after its kind, right? And so certain church culture produces certain types of Christians. Now, if you want to find out what kind of church that it really is, just look at, look at the people that go there. I don't have to know all of their doctrine. I don't need to know all of their belief system. All I have to do is talk to the people there for a little bit, and I can find out what they believe about salvation. Right? I can find out what they believe about healing. I can find out what, what they're teaching and what kind of, of spiritual uh, formation that they have, if it is a, what kind of environment that is there. Before you join a church, you just need to look around and see what kind of Christians are growing. Because that's what you're going to become. Atmosphere and environment and culture are very important. The culture must be right to grow what you want to grow. Culture is cultivated, cultivating the soil. Remember the parable of the sower? The Bible said that a man went out went forth and he was sowing seed and some fell among the wayside and some uh, on stony places and some fell on the thorns and it was it, it fell and it was choked out and and then there was some good ground that brought forth he identifies the seed as the word of God nothing wrong with the seed but it was the culture or the environment that determined the what happened to the seed right and so if we want apples we have to sow apple seed galatians 6 tells us be not deceived god is not mocked for whatever a man sows that shall he also reap if you sow to the flesh you're going to reap after the flesh if you sow to the spirit you shall reap the things of the spirit the right seed and the wrong culture or the wrong soil, the seed is always the same, but the soil is different. And if the soil is different, it's going to determine the harvest, right? 
That's the reason why I don't understand some folk. They, they, they seem like they can just jump around to whatever. I've, I've, you know, one time they're in a Pentecostal church, and next time they're in an Episcopal church. I don't get all that mess. Uh, you know, how can, you, how can that be whenever, if you've got something inside of you that is going to be cultivated, that's going to be developed, if your family is going to be saved, if they're going to be delivered, if, things, if you're believing God for, for a, a return on the seed that is in your life, then the soil is going to depend, determine the harvest, right? If the seed is right, if the soil is right, then the harvest is going to be right. And sometimes you have to change the culture. Amen. Sometimes you got to change the culture. That's what I told you about them cowboys. If they don't change the culture, you ain't going to never see them in the Super Bowl. Amen. 49ers of the devil. Amen. You know, it don't matter how much gifting you have, no matter how much talent you have, it doesn't matter how much desire that you have. If the culture is not conducive, you're not going to produce what you desire. You're never going to see your potential come to. That's the reason why that culture is so important in the church. We want to see families saved. We want to see people fulfilled in their purpose and their destiny, right? And the way that you are fulfilled in your purpose and your destiny is for what God has put in you to see that, that, uh, that cultivated and developed until you begin to see a harvest from what you are doing. Nobody wants to do anything without seeing results, right? Don't matter how much you love it. Don't matter how much you, you're passionate about it. If you do it and you don't see results over extended periods of time, you will grow weary in doing it. Amen. And so sometimes you have to change the culture. We've heard of a Petri dish. It grows cultures, right? Certain cultures grow certain things. Bad culture is a result of, of bad things. Good culture is a result of good things. I know that's real profound. Schools have cultures. We have good schools and we have bad schools. Workplaces have cultures, right? Where that some places you, you don't mind going in. Other places you, you despise every day you get up. That you have to go into that in culture and that environment. Our homes have culture. Want to know what kind of culture is in a house? Just look at the kids. It's true. If kids are fussing and cussing and hateful and acting all kinds of ugly, you know what's happening in that house. Amen. Train up a child in the way that they should go. Training is more than feeding. 
Amen. Training is more than feeding. You can take good teens, good kids, and drop them off in a bad environment. Drop them off in gangs. Drop them off in a hip-hop culture. You drop them off in these environments, in these cultures. Good, I'm talking about people, kids that have been raised right, but they get in the bad place. Right? And the next thing you know, they, they disrespect women. They disregard, there's a disregard for the law. They end up bad. Why? Because evil communication, I read this somewhere, evil communication corrupts good manners. I read it. If bad company corrupts good morals, then good company can change bad manners. I read this too. He that walks with the wise shall be wise, but the companion of the fools shall be destroyed. Amen? How many want to be a fool? I didn't think so. What kind of people, church, does it take to do what Jesus said to do on the earth? What kind of culture does it take I want to look at uh, some things here this morning. I, I'm going to real quick go through uh, maybe about eight or ten things that I believe that is important for us to be the church that God wants us to be. Are you bored? If you're bored, just jump up and shake a little bit. <laughs> These are foundational things, right? We're building a forward-thinking people. You can't reach a modern society with a backward thinking. Going to some churches are like stepping back in a time machine. I've visited some of them. I've been, uh, I say I've visited, I've, I've preached in some of them. And I've, I, I've made a commitment to the Lord uh, when he called me to preach that wherever I'm asked to go, I, if I'm able, I'll go. I, I don't make any, it don't matter about Money, it doesn't matter about size, it don't matter about none of those things, it's my commitment to the Lord. But there are some places you go, it's like stepping back 30 years. They, 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 just never, they just never changed with the seasons. They're, they're singing things that, that don't even, you have to get a dictionary out to find out what the words are meaning. Right? It's like we, we come to, to church in a 21st century vehicle to get in a horse and buggy to serve the Lord. And you're doing these things, and, and this is the problem with it. This is the problem with it. We are in a sight and sound generation. And then we expect people to, that, have, that are multitasking. People, you know, people always got their phone out. They're listening to a conversation in the room. And they've got three TVs on. And it's all going on at the same time. Why? We're multitasking. We, we're visual. We see things and, and all of this. And then we expect people to come to church
into an environment that isn't conducive to learning. Amen. You got to be ahead of the game. You can't be afraid to advance. We got to be headlights. Right? We got to be headlights and not taillights. Planning for the future. Without a vision, people perish. We know Jesus is coming soon, but we've got to occupy till he comes. We've got to do something that will make an impact and a difference, right? In the culture and in the, in the community and where we are at. Not only that, but we have to be family-minded. Everything is against the family today. Everything. You've heard me tell it before. That, that you know, our culture today, the only time they want to, to uh, show a man on a uh, sitcom or anything like that he ain't a, a man that is respected he, he's a blooming idiot he don't know how to tie his shoes and that's what they want to do they want to take take away that uh, uh, from a man then they want to to break it down to you don't know if you're a man or a woman these, these gender benders and then and they want to demoralize everything. They want to destroy the foundations so we don't have nothing to build upon, right? But we're going to be family-minded. We're going to believe God not only for us but for our children because the Bible said that our children are a heritage of the Lord. Amen. He said, suffer little children none, but let them come unto me. And so we, we are not going to victimize the next generation. We're not going to talk about them in negative contents and say that they'll, they'll never do and they'll never be and, and try to, to uh, abandon the idea that they will be greater than us because we're not going to allow that to happen. Amen. We're going to build a culture and an environment till our children's children know God greater than we knew him. Amen. You see, we, we, sometimes we look at them, in a, in, in, especially in church growth, and they say, well, uh, children, they, don't, they don't, can't bring anything to the table. They don't give financially. They don't do this. They don't you know all of that but it isn't all the time it ain't about what you can give sometimes it's about what you're able to minister to and that's to be able to put your fingerprints on another generation is greater than anything that you'll ever put in a plate amen but we teach culture we teach environment here so that they can go into a world and they can see that they're valued right we do our very best to make sure that the children's ministry has everything that to equip them to do the, the ministry is the best of their ability so that those kids know that they're as important as you are. Amen? And so that's about the family. It's important that we have a multi-generational church. Right? 
were that our kids are taught the ways of the Lord. Our children's ministry is not a babysitting. It's about telling them about God on their level so that their lives can be changed because earlier and earlier there's an onslaught of hell against their little minds to try to corrupt them, to try to deceive them, to try to, to destroy their lives. Amen. I'm amazed in this secular world whenever you get around some of these, the kids that are in, in this, uh, this little kids. I'm talking four and five years old in the language they carry. The things they say. But it goes back to the culture, the environment they're growing up in. The devil's after our kids. He's after our teens. And that's why we need a place for them. To be a part of what God is doing. So that they're in the right environment. So what's on the inside of them can be developed. Some say, well, you know, I don't have any kids and... I, I, I'm just not going to give to that or whatever. And I, and I don't know anybody like that here. I'm just saying that I've heard people say when it comes to uh, building something for teens or build, doing something for the children, they say, well, I'm not going to give to that. I don't have no kids. I don't have any grandkids that come here. Well, it, it's about another generation. It ain't about if you've got kids or not. It's about another generation that we're investing in another generation because this is what I'm going to tell you, that even though you may not have kids here or I may not have kids or grandkids here, if I'll make it happen for somebody else's kids, my kids may be on the other side of the universe, but God will make sure that my kids are taken care of because I have taken care of somebody else's. It's how God works. Amen. And so there's a generation that's coming, and we have to pour into them. We have to invest in them. Why is it important for us to pour in and invest in kids? Because statistics, and now God's greater than statistics. How many know that? God's greater than statistics, but statistics still, they, as they say, they don't lie. Statistically, uh, I believe it's some close to 90% of people that give their heart to the Lord do so before the age of 10. After 18 years of age, I'm talking about it drastically goes downhill. If somebody doesn't know Jesus prior to that, the, the, for statistically, it, it's very unlikely that they're going to. That's the reason it's important for us to pour in. You say, well, it don't look like it's doing any good. Let me tell you something. The word of God always finds a lodging place. And whenever we sow that seed into their hearts and into their lives, uh, by God's grace, we pray that they never leave the house of God. But if they do, if they do, they'll never get away from the seed that has been sown. They can go to the crack house. They can go to the bar house. They can go to the whore house. They can go wherever they want to go, but they'll never get away from those seed that has been sown into their lives. Amen. And that seed will be there and the Holy Spirit will go after that seed and, and draw out of them what is there and, and he will draw him back to himself. It's important to get the seed in them. Amen. 
So we're going to look at families. The third thing is we're going to have, and we, we believe in this, but we're going to push on it, is ministering members. I believe that everyone should be a minister. Let men see your good works, that they may glorify the Father which is in heaven. We have a lot to talk, but don't do any work. We're to be salt and light. Right? We may not have a badge. We may not have a button. We may not have a business card. We may not be a preacher. We may not be a teacher. We may not be a singer. But there is uh, something that we can do to advance the kingdom of God. Amen. Something. Your gift and your talent was given to you, not just for you to make an a, 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 uh, income and provide for you, but the gift and the talent in which you have is also for you to invest in the kingdom. So whatever that is, it doesn't matter if, you, if it's on a spiritual level, we, what we may think of as spiritual, of preaching, singing, teaching, whatever, or if, it is, uh, if it's plumbing. It's mowing grass. You say, well, that don't sound too spiritual. Well, I'll tell you how it's spiritual. Whenever folks come by here and they see the grass is, is two foot tall, they look at the church and say, boy, look at that mess. Amen. And so mowing the grass is a ministry that pleases it. People see our good works and glorify the Father. Man, look at the, how nice that church looks. Look at the facilities. It, they, they take pride. They, they must really love Jesus. Amen. You can be a mentor. You can be a tutor. You can check on the elderly. You can be a big brother, a big sister. Right? Be a Boy Scout leader, a Girl Scout leader, be a coach. Right? There's all kinds of things we can do. And it takes everybody. It takes everyone. You can cook a meal. You can bake a pie. Pecan, coconut cream. <laughs> Participatory services. I believe that you learn. How many teachers we got here? Yeah. How many know it's true that you learn more? by being active than you do listening. You participate in it. Man, I had some teachers whenever I was going to school, I couldn't tell you what they said. They was boring. they just get in there and start reading. And the spirit of sleep would come all over me. <laughs> right? But I had Mr. and 
I don't, <laughs> I don't know if he's alive or not, but I had Howard Herendine. I know he said, he told me, he said, you call me by my last name, I'll call you by yours. He always called me Matthews, and I call him Herendine. But he, I remember him because he didn't just take you in a classroom and set you down and, and start reading. You participated in his class. You was involved in his class. You learned more in his class than I did any others because I participated in it. Right? So what is the difference between that and coming to church? Yes, we learn, but we're not a library. You don't have to be quiet here. This isn't a mortuary. This isn't a library. This is a sanctuary. Amen? And we, how do you come to the sanctuary? You enter his gates with thanksgiving. You enter into his courts with praise, right? And so it is, it's something that when we come in that we participate in it. That's the reason why we lift our hands. That's the reason why we clap our hands. That's the reason why we shout yes. That's the reason why that we, we rejoice in the word as well as in worship. Why? Because we're participating. And whenever you give a yes to the word, it'll, it'll cause you to retain it. When you, when you get involved in the service, right, it, it's something that, that will cause you to remember better than it will if you're just sitting there listening to, uh, to somebody just give an ordination. Amen? We know that that's important, but we need to do it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Participate. Amen. I know you say, well, is all that necessary? Yes, it's necessary. It's necessary for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's necessary for you to get connected to the word, to worship, right? Participating uh, does that. But second, it is important to those who come in that uh, don't know what you know about God. Right? If people come into the house of God and, and it's so quiet you can hear a mouse tap dancing on cotton, and it's boring, what, what happens whenever you go to a boring place? You don't stay too long, right? I never was a clubber. <laughs> but I'd say if the club's boring, you go somewhere where it ain't boring, right? If you're, if you're something, you're, if it's not exciting, if you don't enjoy the party, if you're not enjoying what's going on, you get up and you go and you find somewhere that it is, that the church should never be outdone by the world. Whenever we understand, and, and I don't want to get into preaching uh, today, but, but I feel it coming. But, but 
The world should never outdo the church when it comes to us getting excited and celebrating. It don't matter if it's sports. It doesn't matter what it's relative to. We ought to be the loudest. We ought to be the most excited place. Why? Because this is the place that we come to worship the King of glory. This is the place that we come to celebrate the one who died for our sins, brought us out of a horrible pit, set our feet upon a solid and a firm foundation, wrote our name in the Lamb's book of life, said we're partakers of his divine nature. And if you can't get excited about that, we need to take another dose back at Calvary. Remember who we were when he pulled us out of that muck and miry clay. And if it had not been for him, our enemies would have already devoured us. And if we remember that, every time we come in this house, we'll give him a praise. It doesn't matter if they're singing off key. It doesn't matter if I don't have nothing to preach. We are here to celebrate the king of glory. And we ought to let the world know that greater is he that is in us than everything that's in this world. Amen. We study, we we are excited about him, we experience him, but we have to get involved. We have to get involved. Looking at a bowl of ice cream doesn't cut it. Amen. You gotta taste it. You gotta taste it. The other thing that I wanna talk about is excellence. We consider that God is, do, is doing and what he is doing in our lives and what he has done for our lives that we should he deserves a spirit of excellence that doesn't mean that it's perfect it means that we're doing it to the best of our ability amen and so in every area of our life in every area of the church we we need to nourish the concept of doing it to the best of our ability. Not being last, late, and lost, but doing it to the best of our ability. Amen. Giving God at our very best means that we're not going to be tardy. We're not going to be out of place. We're not going to be looking like we got dressed in a dark closet. Right? We aren't going to look like we didn't comb our hair and brush our teeth and look like we fell in a tackle box. Amen. We're just not going to do those things. We're going to be punctual. Amen. <laughs> it's quiet up in here. I thought I'd at least get one amen. Be punctual. The virtue of princes. It means that you realize other people's time's important. That you value them. Right? You, you'll never have authority if you can't have a, a power to have authority to get out of bed on time. Just yourself. Manage your time. Man, I know it's old school, but it's still good. I was taught being late. 
is disrespectful to the people you're meeting. Because whenever you're late, I know that there's happenstance in situations, but I'm talking about that, that is just haphazard. You, you're always late everywhere you go. I was taught that that is disrespectful to the people you're meeting with and telling them that your time's more valuable than theirs. That's what I was taught. Whenever I worked a secular job, they'd laugh at me because sometimes I'd be 30 minutes early. They'd say, what are you doing here, Matthews? They'd laugh at me. I said, well, if I have a flat tire on the way here, I'll still be here on time. How's God going to trust us with authority over demons and regions and principalities whenever we don't have authority over alarm clock? This will help you in every area. I'm, I'm, I'm blessing somebody and they don't even know it. You can get a promotion because you show up on time. Amen. You get to work and people... Or you, everyone else is late every day and they see you there punching in early or getting there and, and you don't still got sleep in your eyes and you got some clothes on that don't look like you just got out of bed. I'm telling you, when promotion time comes, they'll be thinking about you. Amen. And not Sacky Sally comes in with her hair all messed up and pajamas on. Amen. I'm telling you the truth. You come looking good with a smile on your face. It don't take a lot anymore to be above average, I'm telling you. <laughs> Just put a smile on your face and bless God, you're, you're on your way to great things. <laughs> That's enough of that. Uh, uh, embrace order. First, we keep ourselves in order. Galatians 5 and 23 tells us about temperance, which is self-control. You control, control yourself. I can't, you can't control me, and I can't control you. But I can control me, and you can control you. Right? And so everything ain't the devil's fault. I rebuke that spirit of poverty. Well, sometimes it's not a spirit of poverty. Sometimes it's a spirit of greed. And it wasn't the devil that was using that MasterCard. Right? The devil wasn't buying that new HD screen TV just because they come out with a bigger model. Right? I know everybody's loving this today. Emotions can be controlled, you know. You don't have to fly out of hand. You don't have to holler every time something, little thing don't go right and kicking the dog and throwing the cat and, and breaking things. Your emotions can be controlled. The hardest thing is to remain silent when someone has lied on you. Whenever things, I'm talking, I'm not just talking about you having a bad hair day. I'm talking about people going around telling lies on you. 
I remember wanting to go to someone's house, lay hands on them with a brick and send them on to glory. And I ain't even lying. Because they was going around telling lies. Just bald-faced lies. And I wanted to vindicate myself. But the Holy Spirit reminded me that vengeance is mine. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And every lying tongue will be condemned. The Holy Spirit will help you stay in control. He'll tell you things you don't want to hear. He'll tell you you're talking too much. You need to shut up. He'll tell you to back up. He'll tell you to stop. He'll tell you to get away. Right? It's hard to do, but it can be done. Look at Jesus being Isaiah 53. He said he was oppressed, he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and sheep before the shearer is dumb. I've gone through things, and people say, well, you ought to just tell everything you know. Let me tell you something. It would be a whole lot easier pastoring if I could tell everything I knew. But that ain't how it happens. The Holy Spirit gives you wisdom. The Holy Spirit will tell you, keep your mouth shut. Amen. We maintain and observe order in the world. In the world. We, we honor order. There's a right way to do things. And we abide by the rules wherever we go. We're against abortion. But we don't go bombing and burning abortion clinics. Right? And we also have order in the church. I don't know where all this stuff come in to the church in the last 10, 15 years where people are anti-church. And I just... I, I love God, but I don't love his body. And I don't have to go to church to be a Christian and all that foolishness. Just because the spirit moves doesn't mean that we, uh, we get out of control. We don't have to worry about this anymore because there's no wildfire in the church. It's wet blankets. And, uh, but, you know, we used to grow up in a church in Pentecost and people get carried away. They, they didn't know the difference between their own emotions and the Spirit of God touching them. And uh, some of them would get confused about it. But God is not the author of confusion. Amen. I've heard people say, well, pastor, I just couldn't help it. You know what my response to them would be? Well, I need to cast it out then. Because anything that you cannot control needs to be cast out. So what are you talking about? Well, your Bible says the spirit of a prophet is subject to a prophet. And so there, if it is the spirit of God, then I have control over it. God can, God can desire to even use me 
to, to do a thing, but he don't just grab my tongue and make me do it. I have to submit myself to it. And the same way that if there's something that's driving you that you can't stop, then that's not God. Amen? I was in a revival one time and, and uh, a man, he, he was acting a fool and he ran up there to the um, altar and, and the pastor warned me about him. He said, you better watch that man. I said, whatever. And so I didn't know what was going on, but he, he took off and started running and then he ran out the door, back door and then he come back in, running back through the door and uh, he hit his leg on the, the pew and uh, all, the, all of his religion fell out and he just started squalling and carrying on and I thought that's what you get <laughs> acting a fool in the house of the Lord amen well I just can't help it yes we can help it we're, we're to be people that have self-control. Amen? We listen and respect those over us in the Lord. You don't barge into people's offices and do these kind of things and, and, and never have respect for them. You, where there is respect, where there is honor, there is blessing. Amen. And it's not, I'm not saying that concerning just myself. I'm saying that myself, that there's times whenever that I have not been able to respect the person, I've still respected the position. Amen. Identifiable leadership. I believe that this is something that's important in the body of Christ. Not because people are more haughty or they have uh, need titles, but so people know who are, who's leading. I was asked, I was invited to go to a church this past summer. It was a pretty large church. It was in a, another state. And uh, they, they had people met me in the, the parking lot. They said, we're going to take you over here and we're going to get a, a microphone for you and asked me what I preferred using. They got me hooked up on this microphone. They, somebody took me to do a sound check and then they put me over here in a room and they said, we're, uh, we'll, we'll be back to get you whenever service ready to start and then somebody come and got me and took me and they said whenever they get finished singing this song that's when you're going to go up there and they had it and I, and I left that night not knowing who the pastor of that church was I'm telling you the truth I don't know who <laughs> I know the man, name of the man but I don't know who he is <laughs> I'm talking about identifiable leadership so people don't have to go around for six months and wonder, well, who's, who's leading that, right? 
I want to be involved in prayer. Who, who's leading prayer? I want to be involved in the front line team. Who, who's, who's doing that? I want, to be in, I want to be involved with the children's minister. Who do I find, who do I talk to about that? Right? So we have identifiable leadership. Not only, you know, uh, for ourselves, not only for new people coming in, but for security. You need to know who's, who's here. I know that it was in a bigger city. It was in Chicago. But I'd heard about uh, a pastor told uh, the, a, guy, he, he, the, a guy came into his office and he told the pastor, he said, man, I love that new ministry we got going on at the church. And, and uh, the guy said, well, what new ministry are you talking about? And he said, that valet parking. And the pastor said, we don't have no valet parking here. He said, man, you, you, you just, you just uh, gave your keys to some fool. And sure enough, they went out there and that car wasn't in the parking lot. That's the reason we need, we need security, right? So that we know that we're secure. Nursery workers will be identified so that we know that uh, when they're brought in that they're not they're not just giving them to somebody they're giving them to somebody who we have looked at that we have done background checks on right so that we know that they're secure and you can know that they're secure identifying your leaders so that you don't have uh, you know self-appointed prophets we don't have these things aren't things that we have but as we grow we may have because anytime you're a light you're going to you're going to draw bugs you'll get that on the way home but identifiable leadership because if you are uh, don't have identifiable leadership then somebody else will determine that they're leader so you got to know who's in leadership, who's in authority. Because then you're going, you'll have self-appointed prophets. And they'll catch folks in the hallway. Right? And start wanting to prophesy or prophesy, whatever you want to call it, over them. And then uh, you have all this mess that's stirred up. If someone catches you in the hallway and you don't know who they are, just say, wait a minute. Let me go get a leader. And then you take, take them back to that, that leader and you say, okay, go ahead. Well, you know, it just don't work that way because I was anointed a while ago. Well, if, if you had a word, you still got it. Amen. I'm telling you that... that we have to develop a culture. That is conducive to growth. And Pentecost, we are Pentecostal, in case you don't know that. We are Pentecostal. Not ashamed of it. We speak in tongues. We pray in the spirit. We lay hands on the sick. We cast out devils. Amen. Not ashamed of it.
But with that has come, if you will, a stigma of people being weird. But let me tell you something. We could create a culture of manifestation without weirdness. We believe in healing the sick. I don't think that the doctors are antichrist. I don't think that nurses are witches. Some people take it too far, right? They, they, we, we've got some, we've got some people, not a lot of them, but you hear of it every once in a while. They, they'll let their baby lay around there burning up with a fever and we're believing God won't even give them a Tylenol, right? But then whenever they get sick, they'll take Tylenol like M&M's. We believe in speaking in tongues. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. But we are not aliens that come off of the mothership. Amen. You go around looking like you're you airheaded and your eyes are glazed over. We ain't got no cereal saints, nuts, fruits, and flakes. That ain't going to work. Amen. People say, well, you know, we just couldn't help us. Yes, you can. Amen. I'm just talking about culture. Because this is some things that, that have... Uh, people say, well, I don't know why people don't want to come to my church well it's because they've seen your father's crazy kids acting up amen some people are weird and it don't have nothing to do with God amen has nothing to do with God people you know I've heard of people going in and, and you know hollering at the Hollering at the computer in tongues. Well, that's dumb. Amen. I've wanted to throw the computer out sometimes, but I ain't never hollered at it. Whenever people are doing weird things, it ought to be a signal to us it's not God. Amen. It's not cra crazy things, weird things don't happen. Manifestations of God's presence and power is good. And it may be things that we cannot understand or comprehend, but it's not weird. Amen. I'm not talking about quenching the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's in order. But you don't have to be loony to get noticed. There's enough power in His Word and what God's presence is that you don't have to be strange to be used. Amen. I can walk into Lowe's and, and, and uh, go to the checkout. People say, you're a preacher. What well, gave you that idea? Right? You don't have to be weird to be noticed. I'm almost done.
We believe in increase without integrity. I don't preach a gospel of excess, but the gospel is of success. There's a difference. I believe that God wants you to be successful and to prosper. Right? I could give you a whole lot of scriptures, a page of scriptures. But for the sake of time, I realize I'm going long here. But I believe that all that God desires, He wants us to have it. And He wants us to have it in great measure. But we are not faith moochers. Right? We are not faith moochers. Telling people I'm a Christian. And because I'm a Christian, you ought to fix my car for free. That's a faith moocher. Amen. And there's nothing worse, while I'm here, I'll just say it, there's nothing worse than a poor mouth preacher. I've seen one of them on Facebook. I ain't seen him in a minute, but seen him on Facebook. And he'd get on there poor mouthing about needing new tires for his car. And then, uh, you know, end of the week, that'd be on Monday or whatever, and the end of the week he'd say, well, the Lord has blessed us with four new tires and we didn't tell nobody. So what an idiot. Amen. Poor mouthing. God's better to us than that. He said, I'll supply all of your needs according to my riches in glory by Christ Jesus, my Lord. Right? And so we don't have to pour mouth. We don't have to use the Christian card to get something. No, the Bible says that a workman is worthy of his hire. Now, if somebody wants to bless you, that's all right. But you don't go around telling people that you broke, busted, and disgusted so you can get something for free. Amen. If somebody wants to bless you, that's wonderful, that's great, and it don't matter about all of those things, but we aren't going around being faith moochers. Amen. A workman is worthy of his hire. Right? I'm almost done. What about that waiter, you know, that waitress and waiting on us at the restaurant? And then we write right on the napkin for a tip. You say, your tip, get saved. Yeah. She's just trying to feed her babies. Or you leave her a track. Well, you better put $10 in that track. And if you leave a track for a tip, do me a favor and do not tell them you come to One Life. Tell them you go to the Mormon church or something. <laughs> Amen. I was up in the Rhode Island area a few years ago, and and I'll quit in a minute, but was in Rhode Island. I was talking to a lady there, but we was looking at trying to help the overseer establish some churches there. 
And I talked to a lady that was waiting on us that morning at uh, the restaurant, and, and she told me, I said, well, where do you go to church? She said, I, we tried several churches when we moved here. And she said, every, all those churches, the people are mean at those churches. And so uh, the long story short, and whenever uh, I left there, I don't always do it. <laughs> Lord knows I don't always do it. But I just felt impressed that day to, to bless that girl and let her know that all Christians weren't mean. And my, my bill was, I think, 8 or $10, something like that. I paid my bill, and then uh, whenever I left the tip, I just gave her a $100 bill. Probably never see her again. But I just wanted her to know all Christians aren't mean. Now, I don't do that all the time. I don't know. I've only probably done that a couple of times. But what I'm saying is, is we don't need to be trying to get over on somebody. We need to be people of integrity. We pay our bills on time. When something happens beyond our control, we get with the creditor, we make, we make arrangements. It's called integrity, right? All right. We don't believe in gimmicks, gadgets for the gospel. We don't sell sand out of the sandbox and tell you it's from Israel. Right? We don't sell water from the holy lands. We don't sell red oil, green oil, or blue oil. We don't sell miracle soap. We don't sell holy water. Right? We live beyond reproach. Don't let our good be evil spoken of. We're going to give account. Amen? And I believe in taking care of the people of God. Amen. I can see my time is gone. Next Sunday will be way more exciting. I may know the foundation isn't exciting, but it's needful. Amen? atmosphere of acceptance that releases people to freedom that's the last foundational thing i want to talk about we're not accepting of sin but we don't let people live any old way that they want to but the reality of it is is we have to accept people where they are so that they will know the goodness of God that is able to set them free from whatever habit, bondage, addiction, or thing they may have in their life. Someone once said many years ago, I'm sure that you've heard it before, but people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. If you can't show somebody and they don't know that you're genuinely concerned about them, then they're not going to care what you think or what you say. But if you can look beyond, as the old songwriter said, see, look beyond my faults and see my need. And they may be in bondage, they may be in addiction, they may be bad mindset, bad habits, they may be lost in sin, but if we'll embrace them with the love of God, because God loved us while we were yet sinners. 
He died for us. Amen? And so we need to do the same for those that he brings in. Amen? We don't accept legalism. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen. And we don't, we don't, aren't bound by a spirit of legalism. I've told you some of my stories of legalism. That's probably the reason I despise it so much. All the isms have got to go. Racism. Sexism. Denominationalism. Amen. We're part of the church of God, but we aren't just the church of God. We're the kingdom of God. Amen. And it doesn't matter if you're male, female, it doesn't matter if you're black, white, Hispanic, whatever. The case is the kingdom of God is about us all coming into the fullness of the measure of God. And so these are the foundational principles that we at One Life Church have to be built upon so that we can reach the harvest. And I believe in God, believing God for this year be a year of harvest. Be a year when the prodigal returns home. Believe that this be a year that the lost are saved, that repentance comes to your house and my house. Amen. Those that we've been praying for, we will see come in. That this will be a season of a shift in the kingdom of God. And I really sense that that's what it's going to be. We're going to be into a season of shift. Maybe even some major shifts. And uh, you know that I'm not, I don't claim to be a prophet and but I do know that this, that the over half of the, half of the world is going to have new leaders in this year. There could be a great shift in our world. And we really need to be praying over that. Not only just for America, America of course, but the whole world. I'm told that over half of the world's leadership will be having votes, be having a potentially new leaders in this year. Amen. Father, I thank you for your goodness today. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for allowing me to be a part of this body of believers. And I ask you that you would help us in this season to be all, do all, and accomplish all. That we create a culture and an environment that is conducive to the seed coming forth. Seed that has been sown through the years. God, that we see the investment fulfilled. That we see the completion of it. God, that we see the word of the Lord germinate and come to pass. And our friends, our family, our co-workers, I pray that there would be spiritual growth this year. That the 
eyes of our life, heart be enlightened, that we see revelation, knowledge, and wisdom, and that we see you in a greater dimension and a greater level than we've ever have before. I pray that these foundational truths would be established in our life to create the culture where that signs, wonders, and miracles are prevalent in our life and in our church. We give you thanks and praise for this in Jesus' name. Amen.